Motherfuckers, welcome back to a long due episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping with yours truly, Willie White Bread, Mark the and Delta Drew Pearson. He's just going to sit here and look stoically at me, and he's not going to sing his yeah, name out. Damn right. <laughs> so, what are we doing today, guys? Well, we're doing the uh, Godfathers of Yep, we are doing a little band. You guys might know them. Uh, Nirvana. Onovren. Nirvana. Yeah, Onovren. We're doing Onovren. I'm, I'm doing like the, uh, what's that one video they had? And here, guys, Nirvana. Oh, yeah. What is that, Lithium? Uh, no. Nirvana. Nirvana. It was like the, it, the Ed Sullivan show. Or... I think it is. I think it was Lithium. It was, oh, it yeah. Is. is it Lithium? It is. Yeah, yeah. Don't fuck with me on Nirvana uh, knowledge right now, Mark. I'm getting, I'm getting confused with... <laughs> I can hang with you. Just like Buddy no, no, no. Holly. <laughs> oh, fucking Weezer. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, Nirvana, a... Uh, Young group of cats from Aberdeen, Washington, formed in 1987. You may know the lead singer. He's the guy on the wall overlooking every podcast. A Mr. Kurt Cobain, uh, bass player Chris Novoselic, and the hard-hitting drumming powerhouse that is Dave fucking Grohl. So this episode is going to be kind of uh, personal, I would say, for you, Will. For me, it's very personal. Um, Because out of anybody, you know... The, one of the reasons we started this podcast is because obviously music means a lot to each and every one of us, right? Yep. Specifically as a human being, uh, Kurt Cobain means a lot to me um, because of the way he grew up, his mindset, the struggles that he went through. Obviously, I've never, you know, banged heroin and laid down on a trail, you know, a railroad track. Well, and tra- why would that even matter? <laughs> but um, I, I understand uh, I, I think I understand <laughs> a lot of what was going through his mind at the time and a lot of the struggle that he went through. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, absolutely. This episode does mean uh, a lot to me. So let's start off. These guys were from Aberdeen, Washington, right. which is a small shithole logging town, if you guys don't know. Um, if you look at a topographical map of Washington, it actually, like, the densest gray, no sunlight, and rainiest area of wa- Washington suicide is, capital suicide capital of the United States. is yeah. Aberdeen, right. right around in that general area. But you know what? Washington, if you've been there, it's such a beautiful state. I mean, even if it's gray, you're, yeah. you have the mountains. You have. I've actually never been to Washington. I've been all around it, they, but never know, been to the, Washington. On the north, uh, northwest coast of the United States, they don't even like. Just like you know, we have uh, kind of like you know, like this, this year we didn't have to run the heat at all, pretty much in our yeah. house. So up there, they don't have air conditioners. Same thing in Hawaii. Most of the West Coast doesn't. A lot of the West Coast exactly, doesn't have air conditioners. Exactly. So I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, Ish. Literally. Do-do-tss. <laughs> but anti who? So speaking of that, you know that that attributed a lot to you know the musicianhood of these guys because what the fuck else was there to do? You know it's snowing outside, it's raining. You've got a couple of dirty burner kids. Like let's go down to the basement and right. make some rock and roll, man. That's right. And so what was happening during this time period in the in the late eighties? What are we budding from? Because punk rock kind of uh, was doing its little cameo thing. Punk rock was big in the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, you know, started in the late 70s kind of thing. Started budding more or less and then. So in a in a realm of, I'd say, you know, dissipating thrash metal and budding glam and hair metal scene, 
you had these guys on the West Coast, specifically in Washington, that were craving, because what do we always say about rock and roll? Everybody that starts something in rock and roll, we are always craving harder, faster, stronger music, right? right Everybody right. wants to do it faster or harder than the next heavy. folk. Heavy, right? And so... So heavy punk, that's what they were going for. That's what they were going for. Well, they who were, was there before them, though? What do you I mean? mean I mean, you had the remote Soundgarden MC5. I mean, we're talking about that. Oh, scene you're talking right about there. like the I'm quote unquote grunge, grunge realm? Because that's, oh, yeah. that's what I got to talk about. Well, I mean, Alice in Chains was around in the same amount of time. I'd say Soundgarden, I think, was there first. Yeah, Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone. Well, yeah. yeah. They were all kind of budding but at the same time. Mother Love Bone to me, that was like almost a spinoff. Like Andy Wood, he, he sang, he followed along with the glam rock stuff. Right. Like Andy Wood was very much a, a glam rock because he was all into that shit. If you ever look at a picture of Andy Wood, he was. He looks like fucking Brett Michaels, man. Like the guy, well, he looked like Brett Michaels. But you are right. That's that's this was all kind of going on in the same time period. You had Alice in Chains, who I never really thought Alice in Chains well, was a grunge band. I always considered them more of a metal band. See, really? I would, I no, I have not. I did. Yeah, no I would, way. I did. Because I knew they were from Seattle. And no, it doesn't that see that's the misconception that I think a lot of and I'm not but setting so just I, a misconception well, of my own. But mind. the first time I ever saw Soundgarden it was on 100 or no it wasn't 120 minutes it was uh it was on Headbangers Ball Headbangers Ball oh on yeah MTV and they were classified metal when they well, first came out Soundgarden they had Rusty Cage as their first single dude and it was well, bad bad motorfinger and and those albums were they were a heavier band like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden were a heavier band than Pearl Jam and Nirvana which is the big right. 4 you know cuz you had the big 4 in thrash metal right. you got the big 4 in grunge which is you know obviously Nirvana Soundgarden Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains which I think right. that you that that's where the sound was going so these guys right. were making the records but like see, that But see I think Alice in Chains and uh Soundgarden got looped into the grunge thing because of their topographical geographical area because they were in fact from Seattle. I don't personally classify Alice in Chains or Soundgarden as quote unquote grunge. They're too good of musicians for that. No way. They're just darker. I totally they're darker. Have to disagree with that. Disagree. Yeah. You they, have to disagree. They, I, they're I, grunge. I, I also they're disagree. grunge. They're mm. definitely heavier but darker. Soundgarden, I would definitely say not as dark as Alice in Chains no. when it comes Listen, to lyric. Anybody who wears a flannel was grunge then back that <laughs> no anybody who played garage jam band music was exactly. grunge then exactly. i'm talking what i consider grunge is bands like screaming trees M the melvins yeah mud honey mud honey nirvana fudge tunnel fudge tunnel exactly allison chains i have to do that I, it just goes with it i just me. think i just think sound i'm sorry but smashing pumpkins has to be in there smashing as well. absolutely I mean, smashing pumpkins Billy dish Corgan. album was was great <laughs> Billy Corgan. <laughs> Fuck oh Billy my Corgan. Oh, God. Are no. you fucking <gasps> it, it was Fuzzbox, dude. Definitely. I mean, it was absolutely. I just think Soundgarden great, and Alice great. in Chains' sound was too refined to be considered grunge. I think it was too refined. Uh, Much like Nirvana what, grew to be. I see be. what you're saying. You see what I'm going for? I see what you're saying. but I, I They were too good of musicians to be grunge musicians. No matter what you say... The, the most of the people are out there are going to disagree with you. Well, I'm just saying that. That's what the beautiful thing about music is it's all subjective. But they're, but they're also multi-categorical. So yes. like you can you can put Alice in Chains in grunge, but you can also put them in hard rock metal. Fuck that. Don't Which is where that, I think dude. they live. You I could. think they need to live there. 
They're con- they're considered more of a sludge metal. Bro, jar of flies. There was no way jar of flies was a fucking or dirt. Those were total metal albums. No way. Hundred percent. Anywho, so uh, it's 1987. We're in Aberdeen, Washington. We have Chris Novoselic, which is an absolute lumberjack of a fucking human being, big <laughs> son of a bitch. And then you've got Kurt Cobain, which is a very small fella. Okay, so are we going to go into the history of these guys before they got together? Um, I mean, there's not much to tell. I mean, Kurt Cobain, he was from a broken home. He he was a big artist. Um, yeah. That's what he liked to do. He was very introverted. He was a very quiet human being. And that in, in, in picture it from back then. So you're in the 80s, right? You're in the early 80s, which is when he's going to school, right? They didn't form till 87. So you're in the early 80s in a logging town. You know, constructed of primarily, you know, overly masculine, toxically masculine human beings who for, right. fortify their entire Paul world Bun, with pa- beer drinking, lumberjacking, and football. And his big exactly. Blue so you got this little guy who's very skinny, who's into art, who's into, you know, MC5 and the Ramones and Black Sabbath and shit. He obviously right, doesn't right. fucking fit in. Yeah. He was more into other things, too. I'd, right. I have to give Kurt Cobain a lot of respect because he loved a lot of types of music. Man. Oh, absolutely, dude. He he would go he back from blues. He yeah, was, Lead he Belly, was, he clearly. Was all of it. He man. loved Lead Belly. He loved David Bowie. David Bowie. See, getting just, you know? just uh, shining he loved, through a little bit. Yeah, he loved Bowie. He was a very... Uh, and I don't want to make this I want to try I told these guys before the show that I'm going to try to not make this episode about Kurt Cobain but so much of the band has to be attributed to Kurt Cobain because he was the songwriter he he did it I mean it's just him as a person I mean everybody's got multiple multiple you know inputs obviously uh, Dave Grohl was the driving force of the band obviously but he was almost a studio musician at that point because Kurt Cobain was very similar to, say, Trent Reznor because he was almost a diva about his music because he, it had to be his way. It had to be Kurt's way. Yeah. And you can see interviews with Dave Grohl where he would openly say that. He's like, dude. I've never heard that about him, though. Absolutely. There's two things that Kurt Cobain hates the most in this world, deviating from his vision and looking stupid. Yeah. And so that's that's, that's, what, that's what Dave would so say. That's why him. he said, I have somebody to play, to play the timekeeping and I have somebody to play the bass keeper. Yeah, and then I get to, I get to do the rest. Correct. Each one of those albums were tight on producing, dude. Each one of those albums, right? Yeah. And so, okay, especially so, Bleach. Yeah, <laughs> the first album. So you've you've Isn't got that their first album, right? Oh yeah. yeah, that's their first album. I just thought for for just the time period and 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 the, how much money they probably had to spend on that album. Oh, they had was, like it was mixed so well, well. Uh, so you well. Know, Kurt Cobain like it, and and. Chris Novoselic, they they funded that album out of their pocket, dude. Like uh, he was a Kurt Cobain was a janitor really? at the time. Yeah, he was a fucking janitor. He was a janitor for uh, what a school? Or? A school. Yeah, yeah. He was a janitor for a school. I believe it was the same school that he got fucking kicked out of. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you've got these, you know, Chris Novoselic and and Kurt Cobain. They meet in high school and they formulate a general love for music. And they also had a lot of uh, influence from Buzz Ob- Buzz Osborne from the Melvins. Um, a ton of influence from them. They actually, there's a lot of letters back and forth between Kurt and Buzz. Great Um, sludge, man. Yeah, yeah, about, and Screaming Trees, too. That's another band. I fucking love the Screaming Trees, dude. Great band. Love the Screaming Trees. Um, So anyway, there's a lot of influence there from them. So, you know, you've got this young artistic guy, and and how I can kind of relate to him in this sense is because his mind is chaotic. You know what I mean? This is where the driving force behind his band. His mind is chaotic. He's an it's, artist. He's an artist, dude. It, 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 how I how I always described my mind to people is like you ever seen The Matrix? 
You know when he walks up in the dream space and goes guns and just 17,000 fucking right. Winn-Dixie Isles blow. That's what that's what my mind was like as a kid. And I think his was very similar. Because, I can't disagree with you. You know, because he was from a broken home. His mom, Wendy, was an absolute fucking asshole. And you can tell that. You can tell that he was very disconnected from his mother and blamed his mother for a lot of different things. He just raged with his emotions right. with that music right. that he was making. Right. Until he found. great. Yeah. And he started finding alcohol. He started finding weed. And so that's Other what kind of vices. Right. And so he meets up with Chris Novoselic and they start jamming with their, I know they went through a what couple would, different what would, drummers. What would you say his bass uh, performance is? All right. Like, I mean, <laughs> comedic, what, comedic, just, <laughs> Com- <laughs> comedic. I mean, he's, the guy is just, he's a lumberjack, huge, dude. And he's, he's just, a fucking lumberjack. The guy's got the arm. Reach. He's a good bass player. Dude, now. Just, I'm not do whatever. Yeah, I'm know? not discounting him. And another thing, a, a good point about Chris Novoselic is he was very much the mature one of the band. I can't disagree with he that. He was very much, he, he would almost be misconstrued as the band's manager a lot of the times because he was the one that was kind of like, all right, Kurt, let's fucking stop breaking guitars. We can't fucking spend $800 on a goddamn Fender Jaguar every time you get up there and get pissed during a negative creep. Bro, you know, he, could, he, could just, <laughs> he could go down that line. Mm-hmm. He can go down that fretboard yeah. and do it. He's a beast. And so uh, on the original album, you had Chad Channing uh, on Bleach. You had Chad Channing, who was their, their drummer, and he was good. You know, he wasn't an awful... Great album. Yeah, he wasn't an awful drummer, but it just uh, it wasn't... It wasn't really what they were, were looking for. Um, so let's back up a little bit. Uh, Mark, you wanted to talk a little bit about Sub Pop Records. If we're going to talk about Bleach, we got to talk about Sub Pop Records. Well, yeah, Sub Pop Records is, was you know the premier grunge label of, yeah. uh, of, of, of the time. You know, I mean, you had so many bands coming out of uh, the uh, Sub Pop label. I mean, you had the uh, Soundgarden, the Mudhoney was in there, uh, the Shins, Nirvana, I mean, just yep. so many. And also, Nirvana, uh, they did Nevermind at uh, the, uh, Sound City. Sound City. Sound City. Yeah. And I know um, Jack and Dino, their producer for a while, like he he had a lot to do with that kind of stuff too. And Sub Pop, Bruce Pavitt and Jonathan Poneman, they, they founded this label in 1986. And it was kind of a hodgepodge label at first. It was kind of like they, right. these two guys, you know, Bruce Pavitt and John uh, John Poneman, they they heard this new sound coming around if you will you know what i mean they heard they were going to the clubs they were hearing the screaming trees the mud honeys sonic youth was on it as well right 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 and so they they kind of just started this hodgepodge label uh and they weren't really ready for what was to come you know what i mean sub pop records for a while dude was one of the biggest record labels there was oh yeah Oh, they yeah. were huge in that Every, time period. Everybody wanted yeah. to buy something from Sub Pop. Yeah, because yeah. that was they were they were the the cool record label. Well, they were the ones putting out, but they didn't have a lot of money either. Though that's the funny thing. They had the name, but they weren't pumping their their musicians full of a lot of money to make these albums. Which is why you know were they pumping them out of Sound City though? Were a lot of these records made out of Sound City? A lot of them. Yeah, you know oh, what yeah. I'm saying. Oh yeah, a lot of that West Coast shit over there was made out of that studio. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. they were producing it out of that studio with the producers that were doing it for them. I yeah, mean, and if you guys don't sound. know what Sound City is, it's it's also a, a documentary that you can you can look up. And, that's a good doc. And, that's a good documentary. Watch, but Sound City, um, they they call they call that <clears throat> studio, um, one of the most perfect rooms for recording any kind of music. Yeah. So like the reason why their album sounds so pristine 
was because Sound City's room was so well put together and well thought out. Well, and where, they also where, had money. Where were they? Time. Well, where 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 they they proofed the soundproof stuff? Where they put the Oralex on the walls? Yeah. Where they placed the drum kit? Yeah. Every, you know the ceiling. The acoustics were impeccable. Everything about the acoustics yeah. in that room were 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 kind of like spot on. Yeah, and well, after they got away from Sub Pop, they actually, they they signed with Geffen and DGC. You know what I mean? So they were and they were produced by fucking Butch Vig. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. they were they were better off, right. you know, outside sub pop. But Bleach was a good album, and it and it hit the uh, it hit where they needed to hit. It hit number thirty three uh, on the charts in UK and eighty nine in uh, in the US, and it and it hit where it needed to hit. It hit the audience it needed to hit, and it got their name out there. Because in my personal opinion, Bleach was a very raw album. It was a very punk rock based album. Boom. Yeah, yeah. It was a very, very heavily Melvin's influenced punk rock album. You said it perfect, just because we were discussing it earlier. You just said it perfectly. It yeah, was raw. It was very raw, heavy, album. but also punk. Which a lot of that music in that time was punk and metal. In my opinion. oh yeah, well it was. It was all punk and metal at that time. But the thing is about it is make what makes it special is that it was they were trying for punk and it came out grungy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It came what? out. Like something original that you guys, they weren't expecting. You guys play it. guitar, right? So what kind of what kind of uh, pedals? What, what kind of pedals are they using? What boss, kind of, old boss, what are they right. using pedals, to get that DS1, sound? DS ones, boss distortion pedals. Yeah, they're using uh, reverbs. Whatever shitty fucking pawn shop guitar they could find at the time, and whatever shitty forty dollar, thirty dollar effects pedal and shitty amp they could. It's these like guys a, had no money. Dude. It's like it's yeah. like quicksand. It's like quicksand for the album you were telling me about. No, or, uh, man, uh, manic, manic, manic compre- depression. compression, compression. See, yeah. what is that? What, I mean, is that well, the sound that you're getting the, at? You're compressing the signal from the guitar and you're compressing it so much that it's, it's almost sounding, you know, like, like fuzz it, box. No, it's, it's, no, well, that's it's, a, it's a fuzz. A fuzz box is actually what Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Came that's out, a, that's came a classic rock box. Right. And, but you can, you know, even, but modern bands like yeah. the sword, they use a lot of fuzz effects yeah. as well. But that album. It's like and a the hot sound distortion. That they were using can't t- you can't tell me that 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 sound wasn't being used with these albums in that time period. Well, yeah. Well, this is the thing they tried to mimic it, but they didn't have the money because at that point in time, you got to think fuzz boxes were invented back in the '60s and '70s. Well, they're they're using a tube screamer, right? They're using Boss DS1 distortion. Yeah, they're they're getting what they can. They're using the pedals that they can mm. use. They're they're hitting the reverbs up for the for the slower stuff. You know, they're hitting the d- delays. There we go. I mean. It's just a normal spread across. It's very ac- simple across your your pedal board. These yeah. guys, what I want to hear. These guys weren't they weren't instrumentalists. I'll get I'll get. But I want to hear the to tone. You. I, you guys know what it what you're talking about when it comes to the sound that these guys Ish. were doing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Ish. Well, That's the sound that they were hear. doing is they were doing whatever they could get. And then once they had that sound, the, the it's funny because all of the, uh, the the guys you know the pedal companies started producing. The, the the grunge pedals. yeah the grunge so pedal. Yeah, we have Kurt Cobain sound in a box right now which is a shit it's a shit sound it's just a tube screamer with, with a distortion <laughs> heavy distortion and bass over it fuck yeah well yeah a lot of you know they these guys were jam bands they were garage bands man they were turn the fucking vols to eleven and make it as loud and they obnoxious probably used as you could. a rat pedal here yeah. and there. Yeah, they use whatever they could do. So that's the bleach sound. So bleach sound. So what do we what do we got on this album, man? We got blue about a girl, love buzz, a shocking blue cover. 
I love, negative love, creep. Love, love buzz and negative creep. Yeah, man, my favorite. I'm a fucking negative creep. That's so, well, hands down one of my favorite songs. If by you're this in band. a bad mood and you just want to fucking listen to something in the yeah. car driving home, I will feel so much better after creep. that song. And I think yes. this and this these yes. these these songs can attribute to I think who Kurt Cobain is at a person. So because if you listen to Negative Creep. Like the lyrics, I'm a negative creep, I'm a negative creep, and I'm stoned. Fuck, you know, yeah. like it's, I think that's more attributed to him, like being in a society of, like I said, toxically masculine human beings, and he's just walking through the hallways, I'm a negative creep. Everybody oh, yeah. wants him to be more positive, you know, like, oh, you could get a great job if you were just more positive and confident in yourself, and he's just a negative fucking creep, and, and he's I stoned. Could relate, oh. I could relate to him. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward to it, three albums later, I'm dumb. Yeah. I'm dumb, I'm yeah, dumb, I'm absolutely. dumb, I'm dumb. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're and just so starting to tip in this iceberg. He really yeah. has no self-image. No, zero. Absolutely zero. Uh, in school, that's my f- absolute favorite song off that album. That's a fucking great, yeah, great I, mustache I, song. Mr. Mustache, that was about his gym teacher. Oh, yeah, you know, he dude. fucking hated him. And then Floyd the Barber. There's just all about shit in his town. What a great album. We're talking about Bleach. We're talking about Bleach. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, Bleach. But see, about a girl. That was the that was the main single off that album. That Ooh. carried on. You know, that was one of their more famous songs. I think later though, it was later a- on after right. Nevermind. You know, cleared the top hundred and all that shit. Right, right, right. And then they were like, oh, they had a first album, and then Bleach was like, bam, everybody bought Bleach. It was like, oh shit, we have to get this album, and oh, everybody has to get this album, and then. When when about a girl hit the unplugged on MTV, oh, yeah. that's when mm-hmm. it really, really, really took Pers- off. Yep, absolutely. Love, love, love buzz, right? Yeah, love buzz. Yeah, love buzz. Can you feel my love? It was buzz. a bass bass driven. Bum 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 bum. Yep, that was very much a Chris Novoselic driven song. That's how he's. Just yeah. can do boom, that. Boom, yeah. boom 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 boom. Love it. So anyway, uh, so they ride the uh, the Bleach album out. Obviously, for a couple of years uh, until 1991, when they signed with DGC Records, um, and they released Nevermind, and and it, it was an overnight success. Oh yeah! Once again, getting back to the punk, uh, it was that's what it was. It was punk, uh, anger, angst. You you saw it even with the video when oh, yeah, it came it was, out. It was, See, it's, they had the anarchy. Yeah, cheerleader, the cheerleader uniform. Yeah, absolutely, that's what it was happening. It was interesting to me though, like because Nevermind to me, like I think Nevermind was the the album and the kind of straw that broke the camel's back and kind of sent Kurt into a tailspin because he didn't think he, he was didn't achieve that. He didn't think it was achieve it. It happened like like Mark said. Nevermind was literally an overnight success. They went from Bleach groundbreaking. Yeah, Listen, I was sixteen. When Smells Like Teen Spirit came onto the radio. Dude. Yeah. And we didn't have the CD yet, right? The CD wasn't available yet. I was two. <laughs> <laughs> well, the CD wasn't available yet. And uh, all you could do is listen to the radio or radio, watch MTV. Watch MTV mm-hmm. So yeah. on Friday and Saturday nights, man, you're just hanging out with your, your friends. And hey. you're, you're waiting to, to record it on your on, the, on, on your tape layer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know dude, that? On their, you're just on waiting. The stereo and number one for the second week in a row is Nirvana with never through Teen Spirit. And so who wants to tell the story of where the name Smells Like Teen Spirit came from? So Smells Like Teen Spirit, that's that's an interesting topic. Yeah. So in addition to Kurt's list of things that he felt very strongly about, he was very into feminism. Because if you listen to like anything that Kurt Cobain talks about or the things that he writes or anything, he was very confused about his sexuality. He, he often said that if it wasn't for X, Y, and Z, I'd probably be gay. 
He, he talked about it all the time. And so he was very big into, uh, you know, the feminist movement and things at that time. Uh, so he used to hang out with these two women. Uh, I forget their names, but they were part of this feministic group called the Riot Girls. And Kurt had this apartment. And I guess they had a rager that night or something like that. And they just used to write shit all over the walls. And Kurt woke up one morning, looked at the walls, and one of the girls had written, Kurt smells like teen spirit. Which, interestingly enough, teen spirit's actually a deodorant, was a deodorant at that time. Yeah, it was like a popular It was a popular deodorant. For teen girls. I fucking used it. But he he took it something, (laughs) he, he took it somewhere differently. He took it as, you know, he smells like, you know, like it was almost an empowerment thing for him. Like he right. smells like teen spirit. Like he he's a voice he, of a nation. He is the the spirit of yeah. the, of the generation. X. Yeah, for the angry, angsty kids that got pushed down and beaten up for their lunch money. Like he's the voice for these kids for Gen X. You know what I mean? He was, and, he, and that's often what he's described as as a Gen X icon. Interesting. You know. So rolling over to the video, which was an iconic video for that song. Yeah. Uh, he had the he had the cheerleaders in the gymnasium. Mm-hmm. He had the gym, He had the uh, the janitor looking grungy. All of it looked grungy. The the janitor was just bopping along to the song. You know, yeah. you know, kind of kind of like an homage to, to to his past. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of cool. How how you know they they, they weren't trying to go too too over the top so so what they did was the, the minimalistic approach to that video kind of set off the whole tone for for the grunge era yeah interestingly enough what was the next single that was released off that well the first uh, single that was released from it was sliver sliver was released before the album was released that was released in 1990 from come, come as you are was their second song wasn't it? Uh, no, In that Bloom was, was the second song. Come As You Are was the third song. The whole fucking album is nothing but singles, dude. Poly, Lithium, it, Breed. That's really what I is. would say because they did that video and I'm pretty sure they released In Bloom right after it and it was the exact well, right. song on the album. And they did and, it on and, uh, hey, Ed Sullivan. In Bloom was exactly it. That's the Ed Sullivan. <laughs> was it the Ed Sullivan? Nirvana. Was it in Bloom? Yeah, yeah, here's Nirvana. They all had the fucking glasses on and hair that all. You're so correct. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> interesting sorry but that whole album that's another thing that that so i always thought that was interesting that they released sliver as a as a single great song, at that time though. a single lp oh yeah fucking amazing i can't song. disagree why did they do that though i don't know you know i think well that was in their process of going between sub pop and dgc uh records so sub pop they were with sub pop in you know 89 then they released the single sliver on sub pop in uh, 90 and then they signed with DGC records and started working with Butch Vig and then released Nevermind in 91. Why don't I remember them releasing Sliver at all? Oh, it was a single LP, man. That's I, exactly I remember, right. no, I remember the, the, uh, seeing it in the store and buying it. Yeah. But I just don't remember when it was released for some reason. Yeah. It's 90. It's kind of like what, what they just released not too long ago with the, uh, box set. Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, it was all it. their, uh, you talking about you know you're right. First yeah. hits. you know you're right. Yeah, I mean I'm pretty sure Which, they got a lot song, of fucking songs out there that ain't been released. That yet. song annoys the fuck out of me. Though. I don't blame I'll you. I'll tell you that. You know you're right. That's the whole fucking song, and I'm like, oh my god, Kurt, stop, please. There's a reason why they didn't release that to the mainstream. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> please stop. So <laughs> so let's look at the tracks on um on Nevermind. Okay, so you got smells like Teen Spirit, which is odd for the the hit single to be the number one song on the album, but uh, in bloom. Come as you are, breed, lithium, 
Polly, territorial pissings, drain you, lounge act, stay away, on a plane, something in the way. Lounge act is and then endless name. One of my favorite songs. Dude, every single song on that album is a fucking smash hit. Absolutely. Everyone. Yeah. I mean oh, yeah. I mean if we're gonna sit here and talk about it real quick, I mean, what other albums can we say that are absolute just smash hits from track to track from start, from start to finish? finish. Yeah. yeah. Not many, dude. Blood sugar, sex, magic, if we're gonna talk about the same. But same still I, I still it is, but I don't think it was as high caliber as Nevermind. No. Honest to God. I I don't I, think I gotta, in some circles, sure. But worldwide? I I I don't think so. Kirk Kirk Bain could have said at that time period, he could, have, he could have said, "Oh, Ring Around the Roses, our next single." That would have been like, "Everybody loves Ring Around the Roses." Yeah, anything would, that motherfucker said was like, that was what we want to hear right. today, man. Because like, he's the coolest guy on the planet. Yeah. Like, I'm, all right, let's say Rage Against Machine self-titled every single album. Or every you can say track, right, self-titled. It, it yes. wasn't. It wasn't radio played. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, you got to also think what uh, right. Super Unknown you. from. Um, Soundgarden. Soundgarden, all right. I mean, we uh, can go uh, further per, into this. Pearl Jam 2112. Pearl, Pearl Jam 10. 10. Exactly. That's one. That's probably a good example. Pearl Jam's 10 was, but I don't think it had, because Pearl Jam's 10 came out around the same time. But that n- never mind it. In fact, I think it came out in the same year. I don't, well, it might have came out the same year, but not the same time. I remember 10 came out same like year. T- towards the summertime. Yeah. And I think uh, Nevermind came but out. But Nevermind early, smashed earlier. it. Nevermind smashed it on the billboards. Smashed it. I can't disagree, but this is one of the most influential albums of all time. So, I mean, we literally got to sit here and think. I mean, it can't. It's not the greatest album. Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying. I'm saying if you put yourself back in 1991, it's it's fucking up there. Okay, so when you got you guys were buying that album, right? Yeah, Yeah, I bought it. So okay, when you went to the record store for the first time when it came out, was it in stock? No, no, no. no. Fuck that. I taped it off the radio. (laughs) I taped that shit off the fucking radio. It was kind of (laughs) like. When when that came out, CDs were kind of just getting just main, mainstream. Getting, yeah. So I remember watching an interview uh, with Eddie Vedder when Ten was released, and he's like, "Well, we, were, you know, we preferred a you know an LP, but this this thing's just so fucking small." And he threw the CD on the ground. You know, they were they were still all mad about not releasing an album. Album. Well, for, you for, know? for Ten, I, I won that album off the boardwalk. Did in, you in New I Jersey? Mean, and it was a, it was on a cassette, and that's yeah. what we listened to. How, it on. how many CDs did you fuck up with a discman, dude? You know what I'm saying? Where you, you moved it, and it was like fucking. <laughs> I, I never had a discman. <laughs> I've only it. had tape Walkmans. <laughs> yeah, I had the Walkmans. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> but and I, I had tape players in my car, and, and nobody had fucking CD players in their car in, that, in those in those yeah, days. No. And there was only in your stereo fucking hi-fi system with your fucking giant Sony fucking speakers yeah. and your equalizer and all that shit. I remember my dad's. He 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 actually tells a very uh, a story quite frequently that I put seventy six cents in his cassette player when I was a kid. I would have been. He was really pissed, was really off. pissed off about I it. I think like a Prince pissed. a Prince cassette was in there and it fucking fried it. But anyway, so I think this was the the kind of the beginning of the downfall for for the band and not just Kurt Cobain and of itself. Oh, and we didn't even talk about it. So, uh after Bleach, uh Nirvana decided to get rid of Chad Chinning and they got a they heard about this hard-hitting punk drummer from over there in Virginia. He was playing in a band called Scream. They called up Dave Grohl and Dave Grohl flew out. And there was a couple of back and forth elements with Dave Grohl joining the band, but Dave Grohl eventually joined the band. And if you know anything about Dave Grohl, in the Foo Fighters, obviously now, but he is probably one of the most, uh, I would say, lively drummers I've ever seen on the sticks, man. 
Dave Grohl hits like a fucking freight train. He's a powerhouse. He's I'd, a powerhouse on the sticks. I'd say he's probably just a musical genius. I would agree. In my opinion. I would agree. And, and to be the and nicest got, guy and, in rock and, and roll. He fortunate enough and you know? Nirvana was like, hey, we like you. And yeah. And then he was yeah. like... Yeah, all right. I mean, now, I'm not saying he was a particularly technical drummer. No, you're but right. he and you're blasted. Right. He, he, he blasted. He dude. had the sound. He had the sound. For him to play, I guarantee you, when they when they were told that they were doing an unplugged album, he got so much anxiety. Oh my! He's God. like, how do I not beat the fuck out of these well, drum that, skins right now? And that unplugged album, yeah. Pat Smear, is what made yeah. him made him better, dude. In yeah, my yeah. Opinion, in my opinion, yeah. Pat, and he carried Pat over the to I the mean, Fighters. I'm going to turn my computer around so you can look at this. I don't know if you saw all of these members from former yeah, members. Yeah, see, that's what I was saying. Musicians. They've had a few different drummers. They've had so many, but, yeah. but Dave Grohl. Dale Crover. I mean, these, these drummers are from fucking the garage days, the majority of them, you know, and... But Dave Grohl was in for the majority of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in I mean, past he was, Bleach. He was in for Nevermind Forward. Yeah, Nevermind yeah. Forward, which is when it mattered, you know. Right. You know. But anyway, I, I really do think this album was the beginning of the end for them because they they wanted their sound to sound something, I think, like with the Bay City Rollers getting fucked by Black Flag and Black Sabbath at the same time. <laughs> I feel like that's what they wanted their sound to sound like. But but believe it or not, <laughs> and and it's true, uh, this album came out a lot more poppy than I think they anticipated. I, because I, it, I think it was a it was more of a pop record, man. Not set, pop in the sense of Michael Jackson, but I in a, in comparison to Bleach, it's apples and oranges. It set the standard at that time, and, right? And I don't know if the, and I agree with I agree with what you were saying. You know it what was I mean? A different sound at that yeah. time, and that's where it went. Uh, it was edgy. It was different. It was. It was edgy, but it, it was catchy. It was, it, yeah. It, you know what I mean? It fits so many demographics that it immediately blasted it, them it into the stratosphere. Home, and lyrically, it hit home. Yeah. And his lyrics were Musically, amazing. It hit home. It wasn't so heavy. It wasn't yeah. so. Um, it wasn't so. Gr- uh, it wasn't so. Uh, it was more refined. Punk. It, it was more refined. It was just something in the middle that yeah, was there. Exactly. And, and yes. Some say it's Dave Grohl. I say it's money. It, it, <laughs> they got into a decent studio. What, what I think is crazy is that they really only had three studio albums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they really did. Yeah. You know, in, in isn't mind, that wild? And so, to be one of the best bands of all time. Can, can we? Yeah. Can we say? Can we go right into that then? Especially within Utero. After that, going in, how can you follow follow up one of those albums? Especially within Utero, and in Utero was amazing well, well they released incesticide in between never mind and insecticide in incesticide insecticide it's not insecticide i just want to say it <laughs> <laughs> which incesticide it's it but was that, a decent that, album but that's considered a compilation it's a compilation. well that's what it is it's a compilation album it's not a studio oh, album it's a it's a lot of different uh studio takes of of songs they already had and it's a lot of unreleased songs that they have money had. money some I of them look at Bleach as their inaugural album. Yes. Then Nevermind's kind of like their, their skyrocket. Ice, icebreaker. Yeah. And then In Utero is their crown achievement. Yeah. In Utero. In, in, in the studio life. Yeah. And I think also In Utero, uh, this is this is when they, they started rolling with Steve Albini and uh, he produced the album. And so I think. I think this album, what they were trying to do is because Nevermind came out so popular, skyrocketed him up to the top. And I think what Kurt and the boys did, I think they went, watch this. We'll see if we can loosen our fan base up a little bit. Because yeah. if you oh, look yeah. if you look at the interviews with Kurt, he fucking hated Nevermind. Like he did not like that album. 
He didn't like it because it was too poppy, which has always been a weird, convoluted thought process for me. Man, because don't tell me you created something and you don't like it, and it was super successful. Go fuck yourself. Well, this this is what I'm saying is is this is all, and this is where well, let's take a step shit. back, take a step back and look at this. Okay, so you have this very introverted, quiet human being, right, from a small town. All he wants to do is jam. He's a very convoluted person. It doesn't make sense why. No, if he, all he wanted to do is jam, then they would have never left the fucking basement of their but fucking listen, house. But listen, so right. it's I'm, very, it's it's a very convoluted thought process, and the the way that it. I can relate to it, I would do it, is because he wanted success, but he didn't want it tomorrow, and he, he wanted the success of screaming trees or Sonic. Whoa. Correct. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't want the. Nationwide, correct. He didn't want every fucking thirteen-year-old on correct. the face of the earth he, going, "Oh he, my god!" He became a rock legend over overnight, overnight, and probably one of the biggest rock legends ever. I mean, you've got to right. understand that, and right? People, dude. people worship this man. I worship this man. But don't you think that his addiction was just his? Oh well, the reason I do heroin is is because well, I I can't face the public and my stomach yes, hurts. Yes, I, I do. Bullshit. It's excuses, man. No, to do the drug. no, it's I, a fucking excuse. No, I think what it is is he was a very mixed up human being that wanted to be left alone, but also wanted to play his music. He was very mixed up and confused, bro. Dude, he was a t- he was a kid. Stop right there. He was a kid. He was also an addict. Let's, let's, but let's, not let's till later, fine. not during Bleach. He was not. He didn't start becoming an addict until after Nevermind. Okay, so wait, where do you think the title Bleach came from? I, I don't know. Okay, so but he wasn't an there's, addict. There's listen, man. He might have been because there's only two explanations for the title Bleach from a heroin addict's point of view. Either he's bleaching his hair, number one, if they're bleaching hair, or they're using bleach kits. To fucking clean their fucking needles out before they bang well, fucking the next their next their next high. I think that's under the fucking dumpster behind Seven Eleven fucking conspiracy talk. But is what that's that is. where I always thought Bleach was the, that's yeah, why it was a name. So, but so, he didn't he didn't get bad so into until after he had the money to fucking afford so it. So anyway, what do you think? What do you think of In Utero being a uh, an album coming out after? Never mind. Do you think that it was better? I think it was different. I don't think it was better or worse. I think it was different. I think it was darker. I think it was darker. I think yes, it was heavier because that's what they wanted. They Kurt said, "You know what? That was a little too fucking poppy. Let's try to lose some of these people and see who we really are." And they came out with In Utero, which is a heavier album and more, I would say, uh, controversial. With like Rape Me, if you Rape Me, that song when that came out, people were like, "Dude, are you fucking kidding me? Rape Me?" Which they don't realize that song is an anti-rape song. I thought it was Ape Me. Yeah, Ape Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, to me, Rape Me sounds a hell of a lot like Teen Spirit. But uh, the, the guitar parts. Yeah, well, all his guitar parts sound the same. Yeah, They're all the same power. But chords. it's got the dan dan dan. And my argument though is a lower key. It wasn't so poppy, which that exactly. It, it wasn't a sound that was never there before. I think it was a mixture of Bleach like, and Nevermind. I mean, you got this. You got I this band. I can see that. You got this band that made a sound that nobody heard. You know, I don't like punk, but I like metal. You know, I like. I know yeah. a lot of people that don't like metal, but like punk. You know, that's him. And I, it, I like them with you on your. your you, you catch what I'm saying, and then right. you keep some. You you find something in between, especially if it meets the masses. 
I'd have to understand what this guy and what he did. I mean, this guy definitely spoke to masses, especially well, yeah. with the way that he lyrically spoke. Well, by the time he understand. was in, in utero, he was the most popular musician in the world. And in utero, just like I say with any other band, it's it's so hard to come off a, an album like that to make an album after that when everybody's expecting you to. So, yeah. Which that I album, think I'm dumb. dude, that album is <laughs> amazing. What was it? Uh, one hot. Well, this minute, album he was strung out. One hot minute by <laughs> yeah. Red Hot Chili this Peppers was, was dope. Yeah, the grandma sweater. Would you on. would yeah. you say would you say that uh, uh, Evil Empire was a great backup to Rage Against the Machine self titled? Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know I think Evil, of course, Evil yeah. Empire was more updated. I think. It was an updated version of who they were politically speaking their mind. That's, that's, I that, would that, agree with that, that. That's how I picture I can Evil Empire that. versus their self-title. My I can opinion, dig that. I think they took a step downward, and then they took another step downward with the album after that. Yeah. This band did This band did it with another album, just like I would say with Red Hot Chili Peppers with the album After One Hot Minute. And they, they did it, and, and people were there. And yeah, then, yeah. And then they came out what? It was unplugged before in utero, I do believe. Uh uh-uh. uh. Was it after? Yeah. Then that, that album then that album came out, which smashed everybody. Oh, yeah. That's my that's my favorite album. Well, that was when MTV was at their top of their game, dude. That's yeah. when they came out with dude, speaking of that unplugged, dude, I love it, man. Um Stevie Ray Vaughan did unplugged when one of the first uh artists to do that. Can't find it, can't buy it. Don't really yeah. I didn't even know he did one. Can oh, you can yeah. use it on YouTube though? Oh, find it. Tell yeah. me if you can find the whole show. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And it was put on by MTV, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much wow. back then in, the, in that four-year period. Ones. In that yeah. four-year period, anybody who did Unplugged was automatic success. Yeah, Allison Chains did it. And then Pearl VH1 Jam did tried it. to do that same was emulation when they fun? had the storytellers. But oh, yeah. Did, but the it, VH1 storytellers did not uh, come yeah. anywhere near Unplugged. So it was yeah. Lane Staley. Lane Staley was high as fuck on oh, that show. Oh, hard. <laughs> Yeah, Please. real hardcore. See, now we're not. Kept his sunglasses on and everything. But fucking guess what? <laughs> Alice in Chains Unplugged was a great album. It was. Fa- I have it. It's a fucking great album. If you I ever mean, want to borrow it, I got it. Not, I like oh, Sab yeah. just as much, but... Yeah, but now see one you cannot mind. find if you you know one vinyl collector to another if you can find a copy of Pearl, Pearl Jam, Jam unplugged exactly. on vinyl. Fuck, dude. Exactly. Rare. Interesting. Very wow. rare. So, Very rare. Go, so so in utero in utero okay oh. it released released in 93 uh <laughs> september 21st by dgc records uh geffen records you know geffen. yeah jeffen is it is it jeffen or are you Jeff. just saying weird shit and know. as as somebody in the, <laughs> as somebody in the service industry i like how he chooses serve the servants as his first track yeah i mean that's just that's just giving homage to to, to where he came from yeah you know absolutely because or yeah. or Chris or Dave, because you know those motherfuckers probably are dishwashers or you know some yeah. somewhere in the restaurant business, right? But see, never mind. this this album <laughs> and this is also <laughs> never mind. Hey, just come as you are, man. Yeah, come as you are, man. Go drink some Penny Royalty, um, so and milk it while you're at it. Very uh, ape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Far out, dude. Uh, so anyway, this album is also when he was heavily involved with the fucking Thunder Bitch. I mean, uh, the very respectable woman that he was dating at the time. Courtney. Okay, okay. Courtney I liked Love. Courtney Love's first album. I, I did too. Into this. I did too, but that doesn't negate oh. the fact that she was a crazy bitch. Just go call me <laughs> We're not talking about this, yeah. dude. Yeah. I thought Violet was a very good song. Go buy a pl- plane flight to Malibu. Okay. We're I talking like about Malibu. Nirvana. I like her. that song. <laughs> so anyway, Unplugged. 
No, I still want to talk about it in uniform. What are you, what's he talking about? Unplugged. That's where uh, he has grandma's sweater on. Hey, well, number eight, Rolling Stones voted greatest grunge album of all time. It's a great album. So it is. It is. Yeah, well, look at the singles on it: Penny Royalty, Rape Me, Heart Shaped Box, Milk Scentless Apprentice, All Apologies. All Francis Apologies. Francis the Farmer is probably the heaviest song. on Francis Farmer will have her revenge on I'd, Seattle. I'd actually say the Beastie Boys uh, actually covered that song. Did they really? Yeah, absolutely. I love. Why? Boys. I love it. They, I'm glad you do. Sample, Somebody sample, I love them. I, I know. No, I'm serious. You, you know who Beastie else? Boys is one of my favorite artists of all time. I'm pretty sure. Says a lot I'm about pretty it. sure Sublime covered. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sublime uh, tracked that song. Each their own, man. What's there's, your opinion on the Beastie Boys? Oh, love them, right? Yeah. Well, there's fucking gotta, love. There's, there's got to be somebody to love the shitty music, or else it would never Are sell. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I'm not replying. So this is okay. the guy who who posts in utero on on, on Facebook. He posts, hey. uh um, what is it? Was it? What is it? You can't uh, even remember. T- Toto is the, one of the best. Toto bands. is the one of the best bands of all time. Bitch, I I went and I listened to all the Toto songs, and you're fucking wrong. No, I'm not. <laughs> Toto, dude, you're gonna sit here and tell me the fucking Beastie Boys are better than Toto? You're out of your mind. Uh huh. You're out of your uh-huh. fucking mind. Yeah, I am. No, I will walk away right now. If you can be in a bad, this is the true Toto test. If you can be in a bad mood and listen to Toto, you're not even a fucking human being. Yo, last week, man, we missed it, bro. We could have went for twenty bucks and saw a Little River Band with an orchestra. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. I thought you were gonna say see Beastie well, Boys behind Seven Eleven. Toto and Little River Band, <laughs> they kind of are in the well, same category for me. It fucking hurt my soul, dude. <laughs> So anyway, In Utero, great album, uh, good follow-up to Nevermind. It was a good change of the sound. It uh, was. Uh, Jack and Dino had a lot to do with this album, too. Um, he didn't produce it. Steve Albini did because they wanted to go for a heavier sound. Jack and Dino was a very much more, he was into a polishing. I mean, uh, I, Steve no, Albini was a punk rocker. I'd still have to say, fuck, half this album was fucking radio hits as well. Absolutely. It was, dude, anything fuck. they touched was gold. They had yeah. the Midas touch. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Yeah. At this point, do, they had Do you know touch. how many girls in my high school... Shave their fucking boxes into a heart-shaped box after this fucking album came did out? Did they really? Oh, yeah, dude. It was a big thing. Wow. It was a big thing. You know? Oh, oh, wow. Did you hear? Sarah, she fucking, she got, she's got a heart-shaped box. She's got box. a fucking heart-shaped box, dude. Yes. Well, did, you <laughs> any, did you get any baby's breath? <laughs> <laughs> did you get she'll, down on some heart-shaped hair diapers? Stop, she'll show it to you for 20 bucks. <laughs> Behind the bleach is where they filmed fucking Teen Spirit, dude. It's fucking great. And another funny thing about that, too, is uh, I remember Dave Grohl saying in an interview, he's saying, you know, the one minute that I knew we were going to be a huge band when Weird Al Yankovic called and wanted to cover Teen Spirit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah have you right. ever heard, have you ever right. heard his? Well, dude, well, when it. Weird Al calls you, man, you know you've made you it. You know you've m- fucking made it, yeah, dude. You- you can pretty much uh, take your royalties and yeah. live the boat drinks life. So let's talk about uh, MTV Unplugged, released November 1st, 1994 by David Geffen, Geffen Records. God, I can't even fucking say his name. Okay, so this is when they get to Geffen. Yeah, this is, well, yeah, they've been with Geffen. Geffen. They've been with Geffen. This is um, when they get to the Jeff Geffen. They've been he, they've been with Geffen. But uh, this this performance was, like like you said, Drew, I believe it's fucking legendary, man. It is. It's a legendary performance. The Paramount uh, Theater. Was that where it was? Live at the Paramount Theater. Yeah. Is that, is that where all of them were, or just theirs? That's when Chris, the bass player, threw the bass up at the end and broke his nose. Oh, that was that's not where they filmed MTV Unplugged. Oh no, yeah, that, that, was, that, about, that was probably New York City studio. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah. talking about. They did else. all of the Unplugged yeah. most, mostly in New York City. Did they at the same place? You think? Yeah, probably. The, I mean, don't quote me because I'm stupid. 
Don't quote me, boy. You I'm ain't just, said shit. I'm just, re- yeah, okay. I'm just remembering <laughs> the, those, those days. They did it live in New York. But like we talked about before the show with MTV Unplugged, one of the things that I think made it one of the Sony, best albums. Sony Music Studio. Oh, okay. That one, one made it one of the best albums is they did a lot of covers and they did them so fucking well. They covered Lead Belly, Bowie, the Meat Puppets, fucking the Vaselines, dude. And they had Pat Smear. That's what I they think. They had Pat Smear. Where, it it, it kind of helped everything out. Yeah, and, they and introduced Kirk a second guitarist. was kind of like going through a time period right there, obviously, yeah. we all know. Yeah. But Pap Smear helped out a lot with that. <laughs> Pap it, Smear. I, I mean, great. <laughs> uh, you you got to love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, now. We said, who the fuck is this guy? That That's album, what we said. That album went five times platinum. Oh, yeah. I guarantee it. That's Released insane. on DVD in 07. Yeah, dude. Well, I, I bought it on vinyl dude. and <laughs> I got it on vinyl too. And DVDs. Dude, so I, I fucking, helped out that. <laughs> I, I love it, dude. Even though what you're doing is you're helping out fucking or Thunder Bitch. Thunderbitch 65, DVD. fucking Courtney Hole. <laughs> fucking idiot. Fuck hey, whore. are we going to get into Fuck that? Whore. But anyway, so his my favorite uh, song off that album is Penny Royalty. That He is so fucking powerful. And that song in and of itself, I think, encompasses his struggle. See, I disagree. Where did really? you sleep last night? Is hands down. My... Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Where did you sleep last night? And you can hear it in his voice. That's where, yeah. in my opinion, where I discovered his voice was hearing him. Yeah, with that raspy yeah. sound, and he just sings it. And I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. Yeah. I also like Lake of Fire. Lake of Fire oh, was good. Absolutely. Yeah. Who, who's saying that? Who's who covered that? That was uh, Johnny Cash, right? Lake oh, of Fire. That was Ring of Fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lake of Fire. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who that was. Um, the man who sold the world by David Bowie. That maybe was that was that was Lake of Fire. The Meat Puppets. Could have been. Man who sold the world was Bowie. Uh, that was a uh, Kirk Kirkwood. Kirk Kirkwood yes. on a plane. Ah. I mean that album. I'm looking at. I mean over. Three-fourths of this album was... Hits. Hits, dude. Yeah. Again, but with again. Penny Royalty, you can hear he talks about That's Leonard insane. Cohen. Leonard Cohen was a dark motherfucker, dude. Yes. And he talks about eating cherry-flavored antacids and, dude, hardcore on heroin. Like Leonard yeah. Cohen would take like That's two and a half months to write one fucking verse on his song. It, what it all sounds like a bass chord, boom. All of Leonard Cohen shit sounds like a boom. But anyway, so this is a fantastic album about a girl. First song saying, uh, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. That was an interesting one for me. That was very, because that was kind of a lighter, airier song. I don't who, remember that one. Who who, who Jesus originally Jesus sang that? Don't that was a cover as well. I don't think I ever bought this album. Somebody no? covered that. No. Uh, it was that well, like, that's the Vaseline's. I saw Yeah, that's a, I, the Vaseline's. I remember watching See? the premiere, yeah. the premiere on MTV. But I never went and bought the album. Really? Yeah. It's it's definitely my favorite. It's it, it gets I think played. by that that period when they were 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 doing this, I was I was moved on to to harder metal stuff. Yeah. Pla- Plateau is one of my favorites. I don't give a shit. It is what it is. I love that. Plateau's fucking song. a fucking awesome I song. Love that that's Kristen's. Cover. That's my wife's favorite that's song. A great song. Yeah. And I knew I liked her for a reason. That's yeah. also the Kirk Kirkwood. <laughs> yeah. I love that track, dude. You can't beat what it. What a fucking funny song. Nothing on top but, but a, a bucket, bucket and, and a mop. mop and yeah, an illustrated book about birds. Just when he's silly, man, you know he's out of his element. And it's kind of good. It's his raspiness. Yeah. That's how yeah. he's saying it. You got my attention. Yeah. man. he's got a great yeah, voice. Exactly. You know exactly. his daughter sold or not sold, but his daughter gave one of her shithead ex boyfriends the guitar that he played on the Shut unplugged up, performance. Up, dude. And there was a huge fucking like 
custody court battle over this guitar. I don't <laughs> even know course. if she ever got it back or not. <laughs> Probably not. Well, I wouldn't. When I was out west in um, Seattle, they had this museum in Center City, and it was called the Mopa. I think Muses. It's a modern art museum. Not the Fupa. No, it's a Mopa. <laughs> And they have they have an entire room of, of Nirvana stuff. They have the, really they like have original the, stuff. They have the original. No fucking way. Where is this at? This is Seattle. In Seattle, they in fucking have a whole room of Nirvana shit. This is all the original. Surprised stuff. it hasn't got broken they into have, by Tenacious they D. Have, they have the they have the, the original black Ludwig kit that David Grohl used. Really? On Never mind. They have the original sweater that he had when he wrote when he was doing all his bullshit on on, on the uh, unplugged. That app. just got sold. He, the sweater they had. They had all his, 300 grand. all his guitars, all the bass, everything. That's sick. Everything was in there. They had Jimi Hendrix room. They had the original Jimi well, Hendrix. He's a Seattleite. Strat, Stratocaster from when when he did the uh, national Star, anthem. Did Star Spangled Banner. Wow. I mean, they have a lot of shit in that. They have, they have a they have a tornado. When you first walk in, it's a tornado, and it's high. It's like fucking like a hundred feet in the air, man. And it's just made out of guitars and basses. That's and it's, sick. It's a huge tornado, dude. It's, it's insane sick. looking. Yeah. But that's one of the coolest places I've ever been to. Wow. That's probably cooler than the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Actually, if you guys never go to that museum out in uh, Seattle. Really? It's right next to the Space Needle, right there. That's sick. I'm going to have to visit that. But yeah, his uh, the sweater, that green fucking weird sweater he wore on Unplugged, that just sold for like $300,000 or something crazy. Jesus it outsold Christ. John Lennon's glasses. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's how big <laughs> of a musician this guy is. So anyway, um, that was a fantastic album, and which leads us to his uh, untimely demise. demise. April 5th, 1994, the death of an icon to a hmm, self-inflicted gunshot wound question so this, mark this was kind of like the no john, comment this was question the john mark? lennon i'm not talking about that horror this, this was yeah. the john lennon moment of our yeah of our, if my era, absolutely absolutely you know, like where were you when Kurt Cobain was killed 100 i was in my friend's basement man fucking doing some bad dirty shit. burner shit some dirty in, burner shit i was in junior high i remember um, kurt loader came on the fucking yeah. uh, i was shit my pants wearing my jinko jeans <laughs> kurt, kurt loader said Is that how he said it? He just, his face flashed on the screen. He went, Kurt Cobain's dead. And it went off air. Bye. (laughs) No. But yeah, I mean, mean, it was a, it was a thing, you know, like, oh my God. So obviously, obviously if you watch the documentary Soaked in Bleach, there's a lot of controversy about surrounding Kurt Cobain's death. And we don't have time to get into that. Well, it just so happens that Courtney fucking love was in a limousine (sighs) with fucking, uh, why that shit had Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah. At the exact well, same time, and also Kurt, did it Kurt was going to divorce Courtney. Kurt was going to divorce and Courtney. A lot, there's, there's a lot of suicide letter, uh, and there's two different two different handwriting styles on the note. And there was practice elementary school practice handwriting sheets found in Courtney Love's bedroom. Ah, ah. and a private a investigator, that dirty bitch. Don't give a fuck. So Are you saying her fucking name? Yeah. Well, we have to mention, and it's funny the facts. too because one of one of Kurt Cobain's dirty burner friends from Aberdeen, who was in this shithole band, I can't remember the name of it, completely dead end garage band, suddenly got enough money to produce a studio album. I think it was about a hundred thousand dollars. This guy got it's just somewhere out of nowhere, and he also happens to be the guy that bought Kurt Cobain the gun. Man, she got ripped off, man, because for five grand, it's I know crazy. this guy in New York and yeah, Manhattan, it's and the crazy. mafia, yeah. 
yeah. So so the <laughs> guy the guy's cheaper. band uh, bank account all of a sudden became full. He's the one that bought Bro, the gun for you, him. You're not courting me to love this shit, dude. So yeah, let's just stop this. <laughs> but anyway, hey, so it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, you know. No, who done it? Uh, I'm not gonna go into my my theories on it because. We'll so be what here do you for think, Drew? Hours. You think it was just a straight suicide? No. Is no, that what doesn't. you think? No. He's too smart for that. So why are you like trying to like push us off on the subject? Well, I'm not pushing you off. I just don't. Well, what's your conspiracy theory on it? Everybody knows what my conspiracy theory is about yeah. it. I'm just no. going to say that. Nobody knows because you didn't tell anybody. I Nobody I'm, knows I what it's like. I got my own opinion. Nobody knows what it's like to be the bad man, the sad man. Behind, behind blue eyes. Well, you don't have blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you guys go ahead and watch the documentary Soaked in Bleach. Go watch uh, watch Montage of Heck. Go formulate your own opinions on the matter. Sound Kurt and City. Courtney, watch go watch Sound, Sound City. City. Uh, you guys can formulate your own. And if you want to hear a very insy a very, very cool live performance. Obviously, check out MTV Unplugged, but check out their 1992 performance at the Reading Festival. Fuck yeah. Fantastic performance. Uh, sorry it took so long to get back to you guys with another night. episode, but uh, there has been a new member of the rock community born into the world two weeks ago. A young Willie Whitebread. Congratulations. Mr. Mr. Declan Randolph Cumbie Whitebread was awesome. born February 21st. So sorry it took so long. We've been kind of uh, changing poopy diapers and you know getting spit up on and Deep stuff thing. like that. Congratulations. So anyway, we love you guys. We will be back uh, probably in, what, a week or two? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. We're so, working yeah. on shit here. Yeah, we're, we're working on shit. We'll get back to you. Love you guys. Bye. Peace.